Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on the Janice Dean podcast. Andrew Cuomo. Okay, most of you know my history with this former disgraced governor and how I have made it my mission to bring awareness and fight for accountability when it comes to his administration's deadly decisions in nursing homes and long-term care facilities in the spring of 2020. My husband lost both of his parents within weeks of one another in separate elder care facilities, and I believe it was the deliberate indifference in the face of a known danger for our families and thousands of others when Cuomo signed that March 25th order admitting over 9,000 COVID-positive patients into where our most vulnerable resided. You've heard me talk about this before. I am very passionate about this subject. And this podcast has done several interviews with people directly affected by Cuomo's mandates, as well as experts and lawmakers still trying to bring truth and accountability to the forefront. My guest today is a journalist, a reporter, an author, and host of the popular podcast called Infamous. Vanessa Gregoriadis has a two-part episode on Andrew Cuomo covering his governorship as one of America's worst scandals during COVID and a public that overlooked the history of his corruption. Vanessa goes over his decisions that led to the nursing home policy affecting thousands of seniors, including my husband's parents, the $5 million book deal, which was secured in the early months of the pandemic, the alleged harassment of multiple women around him in his administration. She covers it all, and I was grateful to be interviewed for her important episode. So here's my conversation with Vanessa Gregoriadis on the Janice Dean podcast. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me on the Janice Dean podcast to, you know, to promote your podcast ventures. How long (laughs) have you been doing this for? I've been a podcaster for about three years now. Uh, I was a magazine writer forever at Vanity Fair, New York Magazine, Rolling Stone. I did like a, you know, both face name profiles. That was what I was known for. And do you love this format? I love doing podcasts. It's like you don't have to blow your hair out, which I think is the best. (laughs) (laughs) And you just, uh, you know, you're at home, you're making your own day. And it's just you get so intimate with people, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, through print, it's like nobody can hear the way this person sounded Mm -hmm. when I was interviewing the person, you know, Mm That's what I love. Do you love it? Oh, I love it. It's my favorite. Listen, not to take away from my day job, because I am very appreciative of that. um, But I do love that you're telling a story and your listeners are creating, uh, you know, the images in their mind. I just feel like it's very intimate. I feel like you retain more information in this format. And it's also very comforting. I mean, I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, 
I was all about listening to podcasts and getting my information through this medium. It was just a calmer, gentler way, uh, you know, to deliver the information. And it was comforting because I would take walks. That was my way of kind of, you know, in a stretch, you know, you're in a stressful situation. You're right. in quarantine with your with your sure. family for months and months. Mm-hmm. And it was a way to sort of like step aside and listen to something uh, to sort of calm yourself. And absolutely for myself yeah, I mean, now, it's-, it's wonderful to get to know people and not have that pressure of we've got a commercial break coming up. Right. Exactly. And and people just are nervous when their camera's on them. They're just yes. nervous. Like even, I mean, even pros, I'm sure you're not nervous, but like, you know, even people who do a lot of interviews like me, it's like you put a camera on me and I'm like, oh my God, okay, here we go. <laughs> yep. No, I, I listen, doing this for, I've been at Fox now for 20 years and um, being in television for probably over 30 now, I still get nervous. And I do find that I'm much more relaxed because I don't have that um, added, uh, you know, like you said, what's your hair look like? How about your makeup? I think women probably feel more pressure in this department, um, mm, especially, yeah. you know, getting to my age now, I'm 53 years old. Um, you know, I'm God bless. I'm still on television, but you do feel very cognizant of what you look like. And and unfortunately, people will tell you uh, when you don't look so good. Uh, so, you know, to that, yeah. it's wonderful. It's wonderful that, uh, you know, you can connect with human beings without that visual aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, even on Zoom, I think it's like fairly uh, split between men and women. I mean, in my office, the women are really like, can we just do camera off on Zoom? And the men are just like ready to wrap it out. And you're like, dude, I'm also doing the laundry right now. So I would really rather just be audio only. Yep. I know. As soon as somebody tells me it's audio only, like when I was interviewed for your podcast, which we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. talk about, I was very relieved that there was no camera aspect of it because it just kind <laughs> Kind of adds that extra layer of, okay, what do I look like? Am I going to come across okay? You know, you want to deliver a message, and you don't, you don't want somebody to be distracted. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So I've been making these podcasts. I mean, I have this series now called Infamous, mm-hmm. which is you know what we interviewed you for. Um, it, some of it was based on some of my old articles through the years, like on infamous figures in American culture, society, and politics. Like, like that was the idea. Give well, me some examples. So, for example, like 20 years ago, I, when I was much, much younger <laughs> and nubile, I went on tour as a reporter, not taking any clothes off, but I went on tour with Joe Francis from Girls Gone Wild. And I saw the entire situation. I know. How spicy is that? That's awesome. Now we're going to talk. We're here to talk about nursing home deaths, but... (laughs) That's okay. um, I love going to something like Girls Gone Wild first. (laughs) Exactly. So it was, you know, one of those crazy Rolling Stone situations where he was like, yeah, come down, come to Panama City Beach. I'm having a big fight with the mayor down here. Like, see what I do. See me break like a million laws, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, this is a First Amendment situation. See, I'm just making a documentary here. I mean, it's a documentary about women taking off their shirts. (laughs) You know, why am I not allowed to film? So it was like this really interesting, weird story um, that 
you know, has always stuck in my mind. And so in Infamous, in this series, I've been going through a lot of those old stories and sort of retelling them, right? From my perspective, it's like almost like my, sort of like my journalistic memoir. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> Greatest hits. And, yeah. and to be able to go back to with sort of a new appreciation of a news cycle of a couple of decades of different kinds of stories, you know, it is calm, almost visiting your past um, and be able, being able to kind of talk to yourself 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. It's a way of like thinking through your own reactions to mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff. And so this is why I wanted to take on Andrew Cuomo, um, who, you know, was so visible in my life as a New Yorker during COVID, right? Like, mm -hmm. like everybody, I mean, across the country, I think he was sort of in the Giuliani role at 9-11. Yes. Right. Like he was the person, you know, you had Trump and he was saying some things not everybody agreed with. Mm -hmm. And then you had Cuomo looking really strong, giving his sort of New York accent and his briefings and his information. You know, we later found out a lot of that information was scurrilous. But at the time, when you're looking for somebody to just give it to you straight, mm -hmm. right? Like it felt like Cuomo was that person. And so, you know, in a time when you're anxious and afraid and you don't know what's happening, you need that kind of comfort. And mm -hmm. I don't know, do you feel, I mean, you obviously are going to have a much more personal story, but at the, right at the beginning of COVID, what did you think? The exact, the exact same thing. You know, I thought he was doing a wonderful job. He was that calm voice of reason. And because it was happening in my state, um, he, mm. he was the one giving us information. And I, you know, I said that uh, to the interviewer at the time that I even tweeted about it. I said, you know, thank you, Governor Cuomo, for your calm delivery and making us feel better and, you know, not mincing words, but also not scaring us either. You know, it was like the fireside chats, right? And you and his right. his, his Queen's accent. And um, yeah, my first impression was, I think this guy is doing a wonderful job. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, my personal story, having deaths in our family and realizing that he wasn't being asked the questions that we wanted answers to. And instead, he right. was kind of, you know, seeing himself as a potential president one day and and sort of, OK, I'm going to write a memoir in the middle of a pandemic. You know, right. those yeah. kinds of things really caught my attention. Like, does this guy really care about us or himself? Right. Yeah. That's the thing. He did a good job at the beginning of fooling everybody into thinking like he was completely selfless. And look, he dedicated a lot of time to this. You know, mm -hmm. he made his employees and everybody else, you know, like really focus as they talk about like the 111 days. You know, he he was certainly not absent on it. You know, he didn't run away from it. Mm -hmm. Like he rose up to the challenge of it. But like a lot of people say about Andrew Cuomo, he just goes too far. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he rises to the challenge and then he says, well, what can I get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, how much further can I take this? But at that time, I mean, I will never forget. I think it was like March 13th, you know, the whole week it had been this question. What should we do? I have little kids in elementary school. Should we take them out of school? Should we not take them out of school? Take them out of school, not take them out of school. And finally, it was like the Friday and, you know, it was one of those weird spring 
uh, days in New York where it's like 70 degrees in March. And you're just like, I, I don't understand how it's so warm. And I picked up my kids from school early and we said, we are just gonna like, let's go to Long Island, you know, to see our family. Let's just get out of here. Let's get the kids out of school. It's time to go. And picked up my kids. I wanted ice cream and I got them ice cream and they're sitting in the back of like my SUV eating the ice cream in shorts <laughs> and we're, you know, in traffic, like on the LIE. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is so like, I thought there was going to be a tidal wave. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Come over New York. Like this is not the apocalypse scenario mm-hmm. that I thought we were going to have, but I thought it was apocalypse. I mean, we were ordering from like Instacart and my husband was spraying the packages with like antiseptic in the garage. Mm -hmm. So the packages didn't come inside for me to unpack them and give food to our kids. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable when you think about where we were and the state of fear, you know, that, that people were in at that time. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Now, you know, I also, um, you know, have my father passed away. My mother is elderly. She refused to leave her apartment. We tried to get her to come live with us. She would not live with us. So I have sort of you know, a similar story to you, which is very sad, which is that she spent like two years being scared out of her mind, Mm. you know, and sort of came out of it and now is really, really messed up, like dementia messed up. You know what I mean? Like, and we saw her, but we would see her outside and do all this stuff and always be afraid for her and blah, 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 blah. And like, if we had had better information at the beginning, You know, like we wouldn't have been as afraid to see her. And I really feel like just generally the COVID story about elderly people is so tragic. Yes. And so horrible. And whether you came out of it like my mom, where you were alone and afraid Mm -hmm. or like your family situation where you weren't able to say goodbye to these people. Like it just, it devastated this generation of elderly people. It just devastated them. They saw their friends dying. Yes. You know what I mean? Like people, so it, it, there's, I, I feel so sad that it took like the golden years, you know, away from these people. And like, they don't really have a voice, right? You're because right. nobody cares about old people in this country. No, I, I totally agree <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah. They don't buy enough stuff, you know, yeah. for advertisers are like, oh, you want the 18 to, you know, 25 mm-hmm. or whatever, the lifelong customers. But, and it's depressing, yes. you know, but I, that's why I felt it's so important that you share your story because, There is no pain like the pain of people who are not allowed to 
speak to parents and in-laws like when they were dying or touch them or be near them or, you know, it is just, it's torture. It was torture, Mm -hmm. you know, for everybody. Did you learn anything in your reporting that's new? Um, You know, for me, I'm, I'm still an advocate. We're still fighting behind the scenes, uh, even though I'm not on television or in print or writing op-eds or tweeting furiously on on X these days. We're still on behind the scenes trying to get accountability and answers. Um, you know, I and I revisit that time as well. There, I don't know if you if this came up in your reporting, but at one point, Andrew Cuomo and his administration were so worried about the virus being enclosed quarters in prisons that they released over a thousand prisoners. Mm. And I thought to myself, okay, I get that because they don't want the virus to spread inside of prisons. But why were COVID positive patients by the thousands put in nursing homes where our elderly were the most susceptible to this day, we still don't have answers. And so that's why I'm grateful for you for still trying to raise awareness to this story because I feel like it has not, we have not gotten any answers as to why this government decided that everybody else was okay. They were going to take care of everyone else except our elderly. Well, I mean, look, these were supposed to be the best hospitals in the world, right? Like everybody said, oh, New York City, you got to live nearby because these doctors, you can't believe it. The hospitals are so incredible. Well, the hospitals in New York are in like, it's just like a state of panic at this point. You know, they're just totally overburdened. I don't know if it's private equity going in there and cutting stuff down or exactly what has happened. But, you know, everybody's overstressed. Nobody has a minute for anybody. They're not being run well. To be in an ER in New York City is like, being in a third world country, you know, like it's just unbelievable. You need, you are sick and you need to be admitted to the hospital. So the greatest thing that they do for you is put you in an ER for 24 hours where you can't sleep and there's like lights on you and like people fighting outside the door. And it's just like, you know, for somebody who has dementia, like that is going to do a lot of harm, Mm -hmm. right? To put somebody in that situation, you're going to take away mental capacity. So I mean, my question is, what was the hospital lobby's role in all of this? Yes. You know, what do you think? I mean, what do you think, uh, you know, has happened? Mm -hmm. They wrote the March 25th order. And Mm -hmm. um, I believe hospital lobbyists were it was about dollar bills. It was about dollar signs. It wasn't about saving lives. It was about making sure that people that were in the hospitals were the highest paying customers and the ones that Mm -hmm. weren't Medicare, Medicaid, our elderly were, Mm -hmm. you know, shipped out to wherever they could find a place, i.e. nursing homes, so that, Mm -hmm. you know, they didn't have to deal with these people long term. That's what I think Mm -hmm. happened. And, you know, when you look at donations to our current governor, Kathy Hochul, and the donations to the former governor, Andrew Cuomo, um, a a good chunk of their uh, campaign dollars come from nursing homes. And hospital lobbyists have uh, a very big hand in what goes on uh, when it comes to our government spending and 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 what our government is doing with our most susceptible. Um, and so, you know, 
I'm still I'm still fighting to find out answers because I actually do believe there is something very wrong and corrupt um, that they are trying to hide and continue try to trying to hide when it comes to hospital lobbyists and you know and big CEOs of hospitals like Northwell. Right. Um, so right. I think that it will take lawsuits or mm-hmm. investigative reporters that um, that don't mind getting their hands dirty and don't mind you know um, being having phone calls in the middle of the night uh, because I think that that is truly a huge story that has yet to be uncovered. I really believe there was dollar dollars exchanged for our loved ones' lives. Yeah. I mean, the thing that is so hard about reporting on hospitals is that they're advertisers. Yes, of course. You know, in all every yep. print publication on the left, on the right, on the center, everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, and so the I, I'm not saying that, you know, necessarily that means that reporters won't take it on. But it does. I do wonder, like, why hasn't there been a cover of New York magazine about this? Yes. You know, the things that I have seen in hospitals, like, for example, you know, when when my father was sick, um, he had bone cancer and we were at um, Sloan Kettering in the outpatient center and he was in uh, a wheelchair um, because, you know, he had shattered a bone and um, he needed to get an x-ray so he could get, you know, the next round of chemo or whatever it was. And they said, well, we don't have a machine. We have our machine here that does people who are in wheelchairs is broken. So you have to go several miles away where we all know, like, you can't park over there, right? Like the whole, like, bigger situation at, like, 70th in York. And it's like a whole thing to, you know, get your sick father from one location to the other location. And I was like, Okay, wait, how I'm just curious, how long has it been broken? Mm. And they were like, it's been broken for over a year. And I was like, okay, so are is part of what you're telling me that you don't want people who are so sick that they have to be in wheelchairs to be able to be processed through mm. your outpatient facility? And the nurse was like, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I know, because you're just trying to make friction, right? Like you're trying to make it hard because you want to keep your numbers up that you have saved all these people, Mm -hmm. right? So if people are not able to be like what you realize in hospitals when you have somebody who's really sick is like if they're not able to save them and they're not able to eke out more dollars from them, they want to get them out of there. Correct. Right. Which is also, I think, part of what happened yes. with these nursing home deaths is they were like, we can't save these people or they're old anyway. Mm-hmm. And in the moral calculus, you know what? Their lives are over. So like, you know, an 85 year old dies. I'm sorry, whatever, you know, to send yeah. them back to the nursing home. That's a better place for them. Like we're doing real medicine here. Yes. You know, these people are messing up our real medicine that we can do with the people we can save. And it's like, well, who let you play God? Yes. You know, like, that's insane. How are you making these decisions? Mm-hmm. And so 
I think it's I think it's very true. Like I just think there's the the medical system is just so incredibly messed up with CEOs who are making so much money yes. and cutting huge amounts of corners. And you know, there has to be a better way. And obviously, <laughs> like we as a country haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. But so something, you know. Something sort of has to give when you look at your health insurance premiums, you're just like, something has to give here. Like this can't just be the way we're doing it, where you're like paying out of pocket, but you're also paying these high premiums because you want to see a doctor that you've seen for 20 years who no longer takes insurance, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like my mom, we had to change her doctor because the doctor goes into like concierge insurance. And I was like, well, how much is that? And they were like, you know, it's, $25,000 a year, like on top of your Medicare, Mm -hmm. which of course she's going to pay her Medicare. Right. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) yeah, no, I know it's infuriating. And it's also, it's also very hard to understand as well. I've had people come in on the podcast to, you know, talk about how it all works. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it really is, you know, all these tentacles um, that, you know, are hard to trace and they make it that way. And like you, you're right. And they're in the pocket of both parties. It's not just a Republican right. Democrat thing. Right. Um, so exactly. it's, it's going to take whistleblowers uh, and it's right. going it's going to take possible investigations with discovery to find out how this happened, because you're right. The CEOs uh, were making money off of this pandemic. Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I always wonder, like, why, you know, thinking about what entertainment were served, Right. Um, you know, I know it's depressing, but why aren't, why isn't like their Julia Roberts movie about having to take care of her kids and also take care of her elderly parents and like a sandwich generation movie that's like uplifting and funny and makes like women who are in this situation feel good. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we are consumers, right? Like Mm -hmm. middle-aged women are big, big, big consumers, but it's like anything about, old people or deaf, like Hollywood doesn't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? I think there's actually an audience for this of people who are trying to deal with these issues in their daily lives or like an investigative thing like there was on the tobacco industry, like the insider, like the pharmacies, the Purdue situ- pharmacies. Yep. The dope six. Exactly. Like how come we can't like get an investigation into hospitals and the way they, you know, treat sick people or, you know, even the COVID. I mean, the problem with the COVID thing is, is it's so like polarized now yes. because of the vaccines and some people want to take the vaccines, other people don't want to take the vaccines, blah, 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 blah. And then there's people like me who like, yeah, I'm vaccinated, but that doesn't mean that I'm not like pissed about the way that information was doled out to us early on, Yes, you know, like that I don't feel that it like messed up my mom's life 
totally messed up my life. My kids are dyslexic. They were home for a year, you know, while I was working, my husband was working. They'll never get that schooling back. They should have been in school. Agree. Like the whole time. Yes. And I think, and yeah, I think you're right. And I think if we have discussions like that, like, you know, there was a pandemic playbook here in New York and kids Mm -hmm. were not supposed to be taken out of schools under any circumstances. Maybe I think for two weeks, but they were yeah. supposed to be back in school. And the we did have information that the kids were not going to be, you know, the major um, people who were going to be affected by that. But, you know, every it got political. And um, if you raised any sort of red flag, you know, um, I have friends that, you know, I myself, I put my kids in Catholic school because the Catholic schools were op- were closed for one day, <laughs> Vanessa. Smart. But I was now lucky. Smart. Not yeah. anybody can do that. But it was like. Right. But but why were the Catholic schools and the private schools open? But the public schools, the ones that we were supposed to care about, you know, the 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 kids that, um, you know, were left behind. Why didn't we uh, get them yeah. a priority to be back in schools? There's so much there that is yet to be uncovered. And unfortunately, I think it's going to take some time uh, for for that to happen. Um, but it was, it was the kids and it was our elderly that were treated the worst. Yeah. And I think the thing is like, I have a friend who was doing, you know, a hundred days of COVID in New York City as a book. And he decided not to write the book. Mm. Like he's giving back the advance. And whenever we come up with you know, different podcast ideas, right? Like for these narratives, these written through these sort of serial style podcasts, um, which is what, you know, I do and specialize in. Everybody's like, oh, no COVID, no COVID. Nobody wants to hear about it. And it's so weird to me. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. Like, why would you not? I understand, but this is like a collective experience we all went through and are affected by, and I'm not sure you're reading that right. Like, I'm not sure people don't want to, you know, listen to it, but it's, it's one of those things where I think it's like, you know, maybe it's like three years from now and then we'll be inundated Mm -hmm. by, you know, so-and-so Jennifer Aniston movie about COVID. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's going to have to happen, right? At some point. I hope you're right. And, you know, contagion, Jennifer Aniston, contagion too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, absolutely. And maybe somebody like Andrew Cuomo might be painted in a not so favorable light because he was at one point a presidential contender. Now, I want to commend you because I think you, the story you just told me about the book about the hundred first days of COVID, mm-hmm. I was contacted early on um, about a potential book uh, mm-hmm. about the Cuomo brothers about both Andrew and Chris. Oh, interesting. And I yeah. was interviewed quite a bit, uh, just sort of behind the scenes. And it I'd never heard anything else. And so mm. I it, I think it's sort of incredible that you are doing a podcast on Andrew and Chris. Um, because I think mm. that I, I think there's a lot of people behind the scenes that probably don't want that to happen. Maybe. I mean, I, you know, I mean, Chris is an interesting, I would be interested to hear your opinion on Chris because Chris, who I have met through the years and always liked, I, I, you know, as a reporter myself, 
And as somebody who has like a loyal, tight knit family, part of me is still like, well, I mean, he was trying to help his brother. I get that. You know, Mm -hmm. and where I, I, I get where, you know, this all went so incredibly sideways. And I think that there was like the Cuomo show going on on CNN with the two of them being all brotherly, you know, and then you don't want to feel like they were scheming also. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's part of me that feels for him, you know, because the the issues with Andrew Cuomo to me are based on the nursing home deaths, um, situation with the women, you know, who were around him and the book. Right. Mm -hmm. And each one of those are big, complex, naughty issues that are like they're just they're just so big. They were going to crush him. Right. They had to. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, even though I mean, there's reporters who are around at that time who will say it was sort of like nightmare in elm street where you'd be like is freddie dead like i'm not sure like did, did we actually like did we is freddie actually dead now um you know whereas with chris it's like a much more minor issue you know and yet you have this guy his life is pretty messed up by this mm-hmm. yeah i mean so, absolutely it ruined his career i mean i know he's still out yeah. there um, but his pedestal, I mean, he was brought down. It's it's really incredible the breadth of um, the, I don't want to say carnage because that's awful, but mm-hmm. the sort of the blast that went off and how far that blast went when it comes to Andrew Cuomo and the people around him. Like, the, you know, his, his inner circle basically had to resign. Um, his brother was affected, was fired or had to step down at CNN. Um, and even though... There is a part of me that does understand um, why he went out there and and defended his brother. He was also part of a, you know, uh, a group of people who tried to smear the women that were coming forward, trying to come forward about the brother's behavior. Um, You know, he came Mm -hmm. after me. Uh, There's texts out there. Um, But. And then we learn about the sister, too, who had a whole organization right. of people online Crazy. that were disparaging uh, the, the 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 women that were coming forward. So I actually think that the Cuomo's could be a mini series. Like, I really believe yeah. that they were part of an entitled dynasty family um, that thought, you know, grew up on third base, whereas most people have yeah. to sort of, you know, play the game many innings to get where they had where they they got when they were born. Um, so it, I, I can't feel, Yeah, I mean, the Matilda, I did not know that. So recently there was reporting that, um, their sister had been like sort of egging on a bunch of women who were Andrew Cuomo supporters Mm -hmm. to attack the women who had accused Cuomo of like sexual misconduct. Um, had you ever heard that before? I'd never heard that. I didn't. I didn't know that it was the sister. I had heard rumors mm-hmm. about it. Um, and it's funny when I did hear rumors about it, I thought, oh, that's a story. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't something that was in my wheelhouse. And I and those women mm-hmm. attacked me, too. So anybody that was on social media, 
um, talking about their experience that wasn't positive with regards to the former governor. They would come and it was like a bunch of them and they would come after you. Um, but now that I look back to it, I'm not I'm not that shocked. I mean, this, this is a family that sort of, I think, protects each other, but also has a very bizarre relationship with each other as well. Like, I think um, they will protect one another, but they also um, have very complicated feelings towards each other, too. What do you think? Like, what's in what way? I just think that there's a, a rivalry between all of them. But when push comes mm. to shove, uh, they were they were raised to to, you know, go to the death for the family name. Right. Yes, I think that is I think that is the case. I mean, you know, Mario was not like a warm and fuzzy dad. Right. You know, uh, and they all wanted to to please him. I mean, I I wonder why Mario didn't run for president. Mm. You know, there's obviously always been rumors like, oh, there were some mob ties. But you don't know if that's just because, like, he's Italian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. So. Well, I, th- uh, I heard it was Clinton. I heard Clinton. As soon as Clinton was was talking about um, running for president, people behind the scenes told Mario Cuomo to step down because they thought that Bill Clinton had a better chance than Mario Cuomo did. Well, in this day and age, he would have just gone gone for it, right? Anyway, Probably. Everybody's yeah. just like, I'm gonna try my I'm gonna try my best. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, maybe that's the case. I mean, the thing is, if you grew up in New York, Mario was a huge figure, you know, in in my childhood. I mean, you he was also he was sort of, you know, bigger than Andrew in my mind. Oh, yes. He was like, mm-hmm. you know, uh uh incredible orator and I just remember you know my parents were like political junkies I remember watching tv with them and watching him give speeches and all of that and you know Andrew was always like a little bit of a pale imitation in some ways of that father but uh you know you still had a sense that when uh you know, when Obama moved off the stage, right, we didn't think we were necessarily going to have Biden. So it seemed like there was going to be like an opening for somebody like Andrew, Mm -hmm. right? There was going to be an opening, probably not for him for a million different reasons and being from New York and blah, 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 blah. And would he have really gotten the nomination? But I definitely thought he would try, right? Mm -hmm. No, Um, and I think I think from what I hear, too, the Cuomo family felt like they owed it to their father, who was didn't get the chance to run for president, that the son would do it for him. So that was sort right. of like the legacy that they wanted to have. Even though Mario didn't get the chance, maybe Andrew would. Uh, but, you know, my reporting and my experience talking to other people— he wasn't liked at all, Andrew Cuomo. He, you know, ruled mm-hmm. with an iron fist. He was the one who made the decisions. Uh, he had yes men and women around him the whole time. And, you know, mm-hmm. when he, when you think about the possible behavior that he showed towards the women that he worked with, I mean, you know, here's a guy who really truly does think he can get away with anything um, and and didn't have people kind of telling him, no, you can't do that. You can't say that or do that, have that kind of behavior. Um, So I feel like he was enabled and he's always sort of been told that, 
you know, he's never, uh, no one's ever really said anything to him like, no, you know, you, you can't do that. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I talked to reporters that said he'll never resign. They told me they're like, okay, mm-hmm. do whatever you need to do about nursing homes. But they called him the Terminator. They just were like, he's unstoppable. Yeah. Um, so I just think, but then behind the scenes, talking to all of these lawmakers and people within the circle, that he just wasn't a liked person, and that his oh, fall not. from grace, um, you know, in some cases, it's, they're relieved about it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that he, you know, people just, as I was doing this reporting, people just, they made it so personal. They would be like, he's a bad person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, tell me why, you know, and it, it, it does always go back to this, like, ruling with an iron fist kind of thing. And he really, you know, got close to reporters and then I think would go behind their backs and Mm -hmm. complain to their bosses and say, you need to fire this guy, Mm -hmm. you know, like did a lot of things that just on a personal level did not sit well with people. So it was both like the, you know, sort of three men in the room, Buffalo billions, like all these scandals that he had where it was clear, like things were not totally kosher in the government and also just like his manner of governing, yes, you know, that was really like, you know, sort of like the anti-Reagan, right? Like, you know, what you see is not what you get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's three-dimensional chess being played all the time. You never know if you're in or out. Like the scheming is the agony and the ecstasy of it. Like it's like, you know, he sort of just was scheming, scheming, scheming constantly and then couldn't find his way, like, with the final couple chips in his hand, mm-hmm. you know, to, to like, even think about getting to the presidency, right? Like, he obviously thought he had the winning hand mm-hmm. with COVID, which is why he decided to write a book. You know, I'm sure this was part of the plan, right? Write the book, and then you tore off the book, and then, you know, the your star gets higher and higher and blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, I had a lot of people say to me, like, he was just in that mansion and he was just lonely. Mm-hmm. You know, he was never quite normal after Sandra Lee, you know, like, and he broke up. Like, he just was sort of, like, teetering a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it was COVID times. And everybody who was sort of teetering a little bit emotionally you know, went into some sort of tailspin, Mm -hmm. right? And so even though he was presenting this, like, strongman image, he was sort of, like, becoming an uber-control freak Mm -hmm. the way that he was always an uber, but this was, like, uber-uber-control freak, right? And making these decisions, like, about the nursing homes or, um, you know, the way he was treating women or blah, 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 blah. Like everything just got really, really heightened, mm-hmm. right? And so all of these allegations that came from the women, I mean, I had people say like, you know, I sort of, like they all sort of thought that stuff was going on, but they were also sort of shocked when it mm. came out because they were like, how stupid is he? Mm. Like how stupid is he to have come out during Me Too and been like, I am a friend to womankind. 
mm-hmm. and then do this stuff. Like he didn't think this was going to come back to bite him. Like, how did he think this was going to go down? Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is not like some governor, you know, who was not part of me too, who doesn't really get it. Like who didn't really touch him. Like this was a guy who was like fully aware of the issues and the like way that this can like destroy you and lived in a state where all these people got destroyed by me too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Really like, tragic cool. figure. I'll he's a it. he's a tragic figure. He really is. A tragic figure. You know, yeah. un- unfortunately, a lot of us suffered tragedy because of his leadership. Um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, fascinating. And I I also think he had no humility and he wasn't humble. I think if he had admitted, uh, you know, wrongdoing, if he had said, "I made mistakes. I was trying to do the best I could." Um, I will spend the rest of my life trying to right this wrong. Had he not had the book, had he not had the Emmy Awards or all of the actors and actresses coming out and saying what a great guy he is and and this, you know, this path to the presidency, you know, I think mm-hmm. it would have turned out differently. And and had he met with families, had he met with families and said, my goodness, I'm so sorry, um, you know, for your loss and 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 is if there's anything I can do, you know, there were things he could have done instead of. Um, you know, putting himself on the top of, you know, COVID mountain, uh, which is what he did. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. We, we would be in a different situation. Um, Absolutely. And now he may, you know what, I would be so curious to know, like now he may want to say some things to try to make amends now he, that he's sort of lost everything, but probably can't because of lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's totally still furious. It's, you know, I'm not sure like where his head is at. At this point, but I know like now at this point, the way lawsuits work, you can't, right? You can't come out and say, I'm sorry. No, he has, he has too <laughs> many didn't. things going on right now. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be able to say a thing, uh, but yeah. you know, you never know. Um, so yeah. what the, when does your podcast come out and how can we listen to it? And mm-hmm. Tell me so everything. I, so my podcast is called Infamous and then there's like a colon and it says Infamous. Side America's biggest scandals. It's uh, the key art has like a picture of a woman, um, you know, covering her face with her hand, um, which represents what the <laughs> what the podcast is about. So uh, the podcast will come out about Andrew Cuomo on September fourteenth, mm-hmm. and uh, you can listen on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify. You just put infamous into the search bar and it will be right there. Well, I hope that we can talk again. Uh, and I am appreciative yeah. of your reporting. Um, you know, it's sometimes it's hard. Like you said, I think people don't want to talk about COVID and I get it. We all, we're all suffering from PTSD. We want to move on, but I think it's important. We have to revisit this stuff because if we don't, it's going to happen again. Um, and, yeah. and wouldn't that be a tragedy uh, if we, if we didn't have some kind of after action review after all of it uh, and, you know, and, and have some accountability. Absolutely. I agree. It's not the kind of thing that we can just say, like, let's sweep it under the rug and never talk about it again because it sucked. You know, yep. like, that's not actually the right way to go about this. So <laughs> thank you so much, Janice. I appreciate you coming on my podcast. It was, that was so 
lovely of you and having me on yours. So yeah, in those infamous episodes, we'll also you will also be able to hear Janice's story a bit more about what happened. Well, let's circle back afterwards because uh, you yes. know we might have I might have more questions, and who knows? <laughs> maybe Julia Roberts will be listening, and she'll talk to somebody. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because I do think it's you important. Never know. <laughs> option this podcast all right thanks so much take care thanks vanessa all Bye. the best See talk you to you soon Thank you again to Vanessa for coming on the podcast to talk about her important reporting putting the spotlight on who i believe was the worst leader during the covid-19 pandemic and as a full disclosure my husband is currently involved in a lawsuit against andrew cuomo howard zucker former members of his administration and several others after the tragic decisions made when it comes to long-term care facilities. You can listen to Infamous Inside America's Biggest Scandals podcast wherever you access your podcasts. And thank you always for tuning in to ours. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Or you can rate this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.